the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Welcome to Wine Women Radio, where we discuss what we're drinking and what's happening in the wine industry. Pour yourself a glass and enjoy the show. Welcome to Wine Women Radio. I'm Marsha Meekumber here, one of your co-hosts from Wine Women. I'm here with Lisa Adams Walter. Hi. Hi, Marsha. It's good to have you here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I know. It's it's great to have the gang all although we you know, um Misty Rodebush Keen, our other partner in crime here with the uh, uh, Wine Women Radio, has been enjoying what looks like a stellar European grand adventure uh, yeah. with her family awesome. um, through Rome and and I think Paris. I mean, all over. So um, we look forward to her stories when she returns Absolutely. from her assignment overseas and doing all those fun things. Anyway, uh, moving right along with Wine Women Radio, we are here uh, at the panel wine lounge, uh, beer beer on tap and espresso bar. I didn't get that up and, very elegantly, and did I? And nibbles. cool place to yes, hang out. It is. And taste and and, That's right. and enjoy a glass. That's great. So, um, or buy a bottle. I know. Or buy a <laughs> bottle because they've got a shop as well. They've got a little bit of everything and a wine club. Um, and it's actually been referred to as one of the best international wine clubs anywhere um, by several magazines. So... Um, for those who want to explore a lot of different wines, it's a great club because every month they have four panelists sit down and they blind judge some wines and the winning wines are what go out to the club members, which I just think is a fantastic way to do it. Um, For our listeners who may not know where it is, 535 West Napa Street Mm -hmm. in Sonoma. It is uh, open from Tuesday to Friday, 3 to 9 o'clock, and on Saturday noon to 9, Sunday and Monday by appointment only. Um, They're also available to rent out this beautiful space that we're in right now, their private tasting room in the back, um, where they've got a big screen TV, so if you're like looking to do a big family celebration or some sort of a big game, it's been used for that. Um, oh, people, I know people use it for like little bachelorette parties and family reunion parties where they can have this little private space. Um, they do beautiful cheese and charcuterie platters that you can order and you can sit out on the patio out front on the porch with them as well. And as you noted, um, bring if, your dog, bring your dog, <laughs> have a, a to the porch, porch. <laughs> to the porch. Um, they can't have them inside, but on the porch, it's okay. And, and all those, those good things. So. A big thank you to the panel for hosting us here. Uh, we have some um, fun and interesting news in the wine biz right now. Um, of course, we should say, you know, we're oh, we're going to be, let's see, when the show comes out, we're going to be heading into Verasion. Verasion is um, the time of year when the grapes on the vines change color. That's the way most people notice it and think of the start of Verasion. But this is actually when the the sugars begin their ripening process and um, less energy is put into actual vine growth um, and leaf development and a lot more concentration is gone uh, is going into um, ripening those grapes which is why you start seeing them change colors so that happens gradually it's generally a 60-day period Um, and and for those who can't see the grapes it's because the leaves often are shading them as you're driving by at top speed. Right. It's a fun time of year to do that. Well, so that's what's happening in the vineyards at the moment, where they're getting a lot of attention. Um, a couple of fun little news tidbits. Uh, Women in Wine took place in Oregon uh, a few weeks back. Uh, this was an event that attracted more than 200 people, of course, mostly women. And they said they didn't have any kind of an organization or regular way for women to get together and... Well, we might suggest that they might want to join Wine Women, might be a thing to do. I think it's a great (laughs) idea. So um, I'm just glad that the event was really well attended. It was, in fact, sold out um, with more than 200 people there. Um, And a lot of really dynamite people there speaking as keynote uh, speakers and holding workshops and so forth. So great stuff there. Napa Valley Vintners also became the first North American Wine Trade Association to commit to the Porto Protocol. It's kind of a cool thing. And just in short, I'll say 
Um, it was established last year in 2018, and it's based on the premise that the effects of climate change can be diminished if everyone plays their part. So they are looking to get other associations and partners to sign on to it to help, of course, mitigate climate change problems, which seem to be going faster than anyone could possibly imagine. But, you know, every little bit counts and can help. So I think it's dynamite that the Vintners signed on to it. Well, what's interesting is that it was Adrian Bridge of Taylor's Port, and that's why this is based in Portugal, and it's an international right. movement. A, yes. And, and the Vintners, the Napa Valley Vintners, joining the first North American right. Wine Trade Association, hopefully a lot of other regions in yes, the U.S. Well, will follow. Right, right. Um, and so. other winery associations across all the other 49 states. Mm -hmm. So that would be terrific. Yeah. So, uh, uh, did you have one that you wanted to... Yeah, well, I um, yeah. saw this story that I thought was pretty interesting by um, Shanna Farrell in the San Francisco Chronicle, and it's called The Pin Project. Did you see that? No, I didn't. It Tell is, me all um, about it. It is about... Um, it's bartenders that are abstaining from consuming alcohol while they're working, which I guess is, was sort of a trend. Oh, <laughs> so, I was wondering okay. if this Pin Project might translate into tasting room personnel. I, I know that people mm. aren't supposed to be drinking on the job, but it's really just more of a designating that you're abstaining. And it doesn't mean abstaining all the time, but it's abstaining while working. I guess it was quite an well, issue. That, yeah. yeah, so anyhow, the PIM project was born. <laughs> okay. And it's a circle with a straight line. And, and the gentleman who began it was having a problem and he wanted to stop. So he started drawing a circle with a straight line on his forearm every day that he went to work and he kept oh. doing that and some other people started joining him and then they started this program to bring awareness and interestingly some of this um, was launched actually because of the tragedy of Anthony Bourdain and it oh, and you know sense. the stresses and the um, challenges of working in the restaurant business and the hospitality business I think can really be um, a lot for people to handle so I, th I thought that was an interesting right. movement taking place beginning in San Francisco right now yeah very cool stuff. Well, here's another one that's kind of interesting. You know, I mentioned at the beginning that um, Verasion, um was getting underway, which means in 60 days, give or take, uh, harvest begins. And there was an article that came out this week called Harvest in Compliance with California's char Changing, not Charging, Changing Overtime Laws. I'm really stumbling through those. Uh, this article's by Emily Cameron, and she says... Harvest season is the time of year when every wine grower's attention turns primarily to the grapes themselves. For modern wine growers doing business in California, attention must also be paid to your workforce and compliance with California's changing and complex overtime laws. The intensive demands of harvest and the ubiquitous nature of seasonal workers during this time are likely to create overtime complications that may not be an issue during the rest of the year. Completely true. So what she's saying is because California's overtime laws are currently in flux for agricultural workers, it's imperative that wine growers and companies supplying the agricultural workers to wine growers pay special attention to the applicable overtime laws during this busy season. So although agricultural workers, i.e. those engaged in the preparation and treatment of farmland as well as care and harvesting of crops, they have historically been permitted to work up to 10 hours a day, six days a week, without incurring overtime pay. So that's been the past. But Assembly Bill 1066 began lowering the threshold incrementally on January 1st, 2019, with the ultimate goal of bringing in line with the rest of the workforce's eight hour per day, 40 hours per week standard by 2025. So for the 2019 harvest season, large employers with 26 or more employees must pay overtime at one and a half times the hourly rate for agricultural workers after nine and a half hours worked in a day or 55 hours worked in the work week. For small employers of 25 or fewer employer of 25 or fewer employees, are still only required to pay agricultural workers overtime when they work over 10 hours or six hours, uh, uh, six days a week, sorry. So this is all shifting 
Um, and it's interesting. I, I would guide everyone to you know Google this article to learn more. Harvesting in compliance with California's changing overtime laws to learn what might apply to them because it's it, coming. It's complex. Yeah, it sure is. Anything else that you found grabbed you in the um, the mix of of wine news going on right now? Not really going on right now. I mean, it's just that I, I definitely wine country is busy and bustling, and traffic is an issue. We were chatting about that earlier. Yes, is it is it uh, tourist traffic or is it worker traffic? I, I I think it's a combination. Yeah, but I everybody's back from last week's vacation. That's true. Kind That's true. So by the time this comes out, that won't apply. So right. Um, but yeah, because our podcasts get released at different times. So, so anyway, we want to move right along and welcome our guest. Emily Byrne is here. She's the co-chair of the Carneros Wine Alliance. And very specific, specifically, she has a very cool event coming up. She's also the associate brand manager for Etude Winery, which is naturally, of course, in the Carneros district. Welcome, Emily. It's great to have you here. Yeah, thanks for being here, Emily. Thanks for having me. Excited That's really to be great. here. So you, you, were, you come from the Midwest, like I do, uh, from uni- graduating from the University of Michigan with an art and design degree. Bravo. Thank Very you. well done. Thank you. Done. And so how did, you, how did you decide that you wanted to make, make the leap from art and design into the wine business? Um, honestly, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. (laughs) Shocker as a recent grad. Um, so I came out here to work a harvest temporarily, Mm -hmm. um, for four months. I thought it would be really fun to drive cross country, work in wine country for four months and drive right back to New York city and start working there. Oh my goodness. Wow. Did Five you, years you later, hijacked, huh? I did never this made it back. A U-Haul. When I moved out, I did it with a U-Haul. I had no stuff. I had oh, no you money. Had no stuff. Good for <laughs> <laughs> I had a car, and that's it. Oh my goodness! Wow. So you worked at Honeycut Winery's Custom Crush Facility. That I was did. your that was your indoctrination. So yes, to speak. I was on night shift. Wow, where's where that? Custom it's in St. Helena. Okay. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you moved on to be associate brand manager and graphic designer for Peugeot Provence Winery. That is true. Uh, and Liana Estates, which yep. opened after you were, you know, uh, they opened second. Yep, I helped yeah, them open. I helped you them helped them open, open Liana. <laughs> yep. um, and now and now you've landed uh, advancing your career onto associate brand manager at Etude Winery. Yeah. Um, so you moved south since Peugeot is up 29 in Napa Valley. You moved down to the Carneros District very very cool yeah so you have so tell us about first of all the event that's coming up you've got your third annual carneros cornhole tournament and wine tasting which is a mouthful just to say <laughs> it's long it <laughs> is. sounds like fun but it's a very fun event oh my goodness so you have to have a somewhat good hand-eye coordination which i'm terrible at well, I have terrible hand-eye coordination. I've been participating for three years, so <laughs> it's not a requirement. It's just a suggestion if you want to win. Now, are people like are people holding their wine with one hand while they are pitching into the cornholes? Uh, yes, we have Govinos for that. <laughs> Make sure there's no Good. shattered glasses. Good. Very, for very for very listeners cool. who may not know, um, explain what cornhole is. Yeah, sure. So um, it is a game, and there's a giant board with a hole in the center Mm -hmm. of it. Um, And you basically throw beanbags and try to get the beanbag into the hole. And depending on where you hit it on the board, you get a certain amount of points. You know, I remember playing this at the... um the Winnetka Children's Fair for many years, which targeted very small children up to like eight, maybe nine years old at the most every year in my hometown. But I never knew the name Cornhole... Does it come? Does it come from some sort of original? Did they pitch corn husks or something through the hole originally, and then it evolved into a beanbag kind of um, toss game? You know, I think it might. It doesn't have. Its technical name is not cornhole, and I can't. I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, and I think cornhole is just something people call it. Um, and I don't know. And there if it, it is. I don't think it's corn. I think it might be a, a less. Um, kind term? Kind term, <laughs> okay. yes. All right. We won't go there too yeah. far. So <laughs> so, so um, first of all, we want to make sure that our listeners know where they can get information on this um, because this is going to be uh, in August on the 10th uh, 
it's an e- it's an evening event, isn't it? Kind of four it's to six o'clock. Four to six. Four so, to six. Yep. Okay. At Etude, conveniently. It's at which, Etude. Right. Yep. Twelve fifty Cuttings Wharf Road in mm-hmm. Napa. Mm-hmm. So it's right off of uh, Route One Twenty One. So it's really easily accessible, um, and it's a benefit, which mm-hmm. is also a very cool thing here. So the the benefit is a fundraiser for the Carneros Volunteer and Shell Vista Fire Departments. We want to keep all fantastic. Our, yeah, we we want to keep our um, local fire departments healthy, happy, and well funded because we need them absolutely <laughs> in a very big way. So, um, if, folks, if you're looking for details on this or where to find it online, um, first thing is Carneros.com. dot org. Yes. dot org. Oh, okay. I got something else off the website. Maybe it flips back and forth if you know what a redirect. Okay. Um, and also, uh, just at Carneros Wine is an easy place to find you guys on Instagram, Instagram, Twitter. and Facebook. Okay. And Facebook and Twitter. But there you go. Yeah. There you go. Get so you get to enjoy the wine tasting, do a walk around, and there are all of these fantastic wineries that are going to be there. So tell us about all the wineries and. You know, give us like a, a walkthrough because you've obviously been there for a few years. Yeah. A walkthrough, what can guests can expect when they arrive? Absolutely. So you kick it off um, and you get to taste all of these awesome wineries. Um, so we have Artessa, Camomi, Calmer, Cuvesan, Etude, Poseidon Vineyard, Saintsbury, San Wacomo, Shug, Truchard, Vianza, and ZD. Um, so you get to taste from all of those vineyards. Um, so that goes on for about 45 minutes. And then we kick off the cornhole tournament. Um, and it's a lively tournament. We get um, everyone, it's single elimination. And um, there's a prize every year, which is very exciting. And in the past, it's always been an experience at a winery, um, which is exciting. Um, yeah, and we have food. It's a community event. So we have, um, we've partnered with Boxcar and Carneros Resort and Spa to donate little small bites for you. And we've also partnered with Hint Water and California Olive Ranch. Um, so you'll stay hydrated and get to try some delicious local olive oil. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Sounds like a good time. It's going to be an absolute blast. It'll probably be warm, but cooling down since it's It's late. It's cool in Carneros too. So, you know, it, it's really hard. You know, this is a great opportunity for visitors from the city and tourists and all that kind of thing because it's really hard to get around to a lot of these wineries, even though the Carneros district is, well, let's say it's consolidated. You know, you can ride, a, ride along, you know, 121 essentially um, to get yeah. to everything. But still, a lot of the wineries are off the country roads off of uh, 121 and so to try and visit all of those wineries in one day would be darn near impossible effectively it it, it It, would be yeah Yeah, it would be and the great part too is that you know there's representatives from each winery who are playing as well so you're playing right alongside with winemakers and people in the tasting room of all these wineries so you really get to really talk about the wine if you want to or just have friendly competition with your neighbors um it's a really good time. This is fun. So, so one of the things I love about Carneros is I believe it's the only appellation that is in two counties, correct? And it, yeah. There is this, one other, but we are the first and most southern. <laughs> okay, all right. So, I mean, and that's what's really neat about this is there are wineries from Napa and Sonoma mm-hmm. or, or wineries that make yeah. wine from both both areas. And um, so tell, tell us about the Alliance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. We are a nonprofit association of wineries and grape growers um, committed to promoting the distinction and quality of the Carneros AVA. Um, you know, Carneros is a very special place. It's the bridge between two extremely famed um, winemaking regions, Napa and Sonoma. Um, and it's, it's a cool climate region. Um, we produce really world-renowned Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, and sparkling wines. Um, which is really special. And so, you know, the Carne- the Alliance's goal is to just promote those wines and make sure that the world gets a chance to taste them. Yeah, it's it, it's a beautiful area and it's great to visit. Um, the, the vineyards planted here comprise only 1,100 acres. Um, so it's not it's not huge. Mm-mm. It's not too much of an area. Um, for those for those who want to know, um, the AVA, American Viticultural Area, 
was established in 1983 and then expanded again in 1987 and 2006. Yeah, and it's the only, it was the first AVA that was determined based on um, its ecosystem it, from, it, from its climate um, yeah. instead of, you know, political boundaries, which right. is really special. So yeah. it's really focused on the wine. Right. Yeah. And we should say it's called, it's technically called Los Caneros. Caneros. <laughs> yes. You know, Which is great. I was recently, I'd, I'd never done this before. It was a bucket list thing for me and, and someone gifted to me a, a hot air balloon ride and we took oh, off yeah. from Level Valley oh, and, yeah. and ended up floating and then landing in Carneros. And it was oh. astounding to me. I mean, I grew up in Napa. You grew up here. <laughs> and I've never done this, I know. Um, but what was astounding to me was, you know that Carneros is close to the bay, but you don't realize how close the bay is until you get up and you get that aerial view and you really look down and you really see what's happening. It's pretty phenomenal. Oh, yeah. It's a really, really, really cool area. Now, the interesting thing is, at least according to Wikipedia, it's also technically a part of Napa Valley, North Coast AVA, Sonoma Coast AVA, which wraps around into San Pablo Bay, and the Sonoma Valley AVA. So there's all this, you know, there's a little bit of layers yeah yeah going on and and so for visitors or people who aren't here very often um this is definitely where you're going to see the fog coming in when it's fog season it pulls through there first which is what provides all of that great cooling air um to keep the chardonnay grapes and the pinot noir grapes and the other cool climate um, um varieties out there really happy uh, and a great source for all these wonderful, wonderful wineries um, that sh- that you'd have an opportunity at this event to experience. It's always breezy in Carneros. Yes, it definitely. <laughs> I don't is. think I've ever been there when it was completely still. I'm sure it yeah. happens, but it must be very rare. It's I mean, rare. It's, well, that's yeah. why on August 10th it won't be yeah. too hot because the wind will definitely be picking up at that point. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be nice. It's nice when it's ho- definitely when it's hot in the upper parts oh, of the valleys if you head mm-hmm. down to Carneros you can definitely cool off that's the bay for sure. is pretty amazing so you're holding this at Etude which is a member of the Wine Alliance you want to tell our little listeners about um, uh, about Etude so they know what to kind of expect give us a visual description with your words <laughs> <laughs> okay pressure's on um, it's a gorgeous facility um, we have Um, a beautiful property with an open lawn, which will be really great for the cornhole tournament. Um, And then inside, it's pretty modern, um, very tall, um, sort of barn house, modern barn house feel. Um, And we specialize in Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. And um, we just released a new rosé, which we're really excited about. So we'll definitely be pouring that. Um, Yeah. Some, Some of the greatest stuff. Surrounded. It really is. Etude is so well known for those things. And listeners, I hope, you know, whether you get to the tournament or not, I hope you get a chance to step into Etude because it's a beautiful facility, um, very streamlined, modernistic, um, simple, beautiful lines um, in the tasting I've been there. It's bit. gorgeous. It's really yeah. nice. And, and then the views all around Carneros are quite the stunners, definitely. So who are, who are some of your close-by neighbors? Um, so we're right across the street from Saintsbury mm-hmm. um, and down the street from Calmare, right. um, Bouchane. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone is kind of our neighbor. Cool. Carneros. Really, really neat stuff. And for our visitors who might be, um, you know, thinking that uh, this would be a good thing to combine, they can go to the Carneros Resort and Spa that is literally kind of right across the street on Absolutely. 121 stay stay there and then you know come on down to uh to etude to enjoy it because it's so beautiful and there's so much there um to see and enjoy and kick back with the wines the other really i think cool thing about carneros is that you feel like you're just a world away i mean you're just it's so rural that's and, right but it's, it's also country. so close to everything you know to downtown napa even it's it it's is very very easy to get there yeah it's yeah. very special it kind of feels like you went back um in history a little it does bit to it me feels too. old world winemaking um which is 
and the neighbors really with their barns and all of that. When you I was could... growing up, there's nothing out there, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you grew up here. Right? I know. There was, I mean, it, it was like out in Carnero. So I was just talking to someone about this last weekend, how no one went out there unless you were going to the river to do something right. or, you know, to want mm-hmm. right. you know, to launch a boat, to go fishing. There was, there was an old restaurant out there and um, now it's just, it's, it's really right. pretty magical. It's happened. And, and it's all, a nice combination of residential right. and you know, ranches and that exactly. sort of thing. And although you hear this, oh, it's on Cuttings Wharf, Cuttings Wharf Road mm-hmm. and people go, oh, there's a wharf. It's like, this is not major waterfront property people. No, <laughs> no, it's there not. There is, there is something, but it's kind of, very minimalistic would be I guess the way I'd I'd put it but it's very common if you go around on the back roads of Carneros um, it's very common to kind of get stuck behind a tractor that's you know going between vineyard blocks you know and be working to you know really have to expect this to be backcountry roads and yeah. it's really fun that way. They're bumpy. Um, a lot yeah. of animals out there. There's yes. a few potholes. But yeah. Animals. <laughs> animals, animals, the whole nine yards. So there are all kinds of things to do there. Uh, now, I take it uh, there will also be, besides the wine tasting, you're going to have little nibbles or something for people Absolutely. to grab for their ticket. Yep. So any sense of, of what's on the menu? Um, so we don't have specifics yet, uh-huh. but we have partnered with other Carneros restaurants, Boxcar <gasps> and Carneros Resort and Spa. Cool. Um, so they will be donating donate, uh, donuts is what donuts. I was thinking. They're famous <laughs> for their donuts. No, I don't know about donuts. <laughs> I can't confirm that. But small bites. Yeah, small um, bites. They will be delicious, I'm sure. Wonderful. Is is Boxcar, where is Boxcar? Is that? Boxcar is the new Fremont Diner. That's what I thought. Okay, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. Yeah. 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 I haven't been there yet. I know, me neither. So um, right it's been a while. So, so gotta do Excited that. To try it. So it's very cool. You know, this is a great opportunity for people to explore in a condensed place the back roads. So maybe you want to drive in and explore the back roads, but you can just go to Etude during this event to then be able to, you know, taste everybody's who's in the larger neighborhood. Because of course, um, Fianza, Ramsgate, all of those—they're on the far west side mm-hmm. of Carneros um, a good distance away that's a you know a good I don't know 20 to 30 minute drive depending upon depending how traffic. bad the traffic is <laughs> Lisa, you were Terrible talking about traffic. how awful the traffic can be mm-hmm. always a lot so of time a big one or hire a driver <laughs> <laughs> or have a, right right and then the you know then the flip side is um, for those who aren't able to go across the highway to Artessa and get that other view because that's another really cool thing is to go view. go across um, 121 and up to Artessa where you've got those killer views because um, you so. can do that as well. But we should we should say that, you know the most important part is you get to sample the wines um, from all of these different uh, producers who are in a relatively close proximity and district. So mm-hmm. if you want to put a Saintsbury Pinot against the Artessa one or the Etude one, you can see, you know, what they are the characteristics, characteristic differences um, between all of those because the winemakers all have different styles and how they like to do that. How would you describe your winemakers' um, styles of approaching your wines? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so John Priest is our winemaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a very simple philosophy of, you know, winemaking depends on grape growing. Um, and so he's really focused on excellent grape growing um, and sort of a minimalist intervention um, when it comes to the cellar. And he really wants to showcase the quality of the fruit that we that we grow ourselves because it's all estate fruit. Um, yeah. So it's really just showcasing our beautiful vineyards. Nice that it's all estate. Yes, really, really. <laughs> we're lucky. Yeah, definitely. So, because there, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of partners there, you know, pr- producers and partners there in the neighborhood, and this is where you get to to try it out. How how would you describe some of the you know since they're all estate grapes for Etude, mm-hmm. what are some of the challenges that you run into growing in the Carneros versus you know you worked before before Peju. Um, which a lot of their estate stuff is further north. Um, mm-hmm. It's obviously a different boat with Liana, which is down there. 
um, again in, in Carneros. But what do, what do you think are some of the unique challenges for grape growing in the Carneros? In the Carneros district? Um, I mean, ripening is always interesting down in Carneros just because um, it is a bit cooler. So figuring out when to pick is always an issue. Um, but for us, you know, we have estate vineyards in Carneros. We also have estate vineyards um, down in Santa Barbara. And one of our vineyards, um, we're actually not producing our North Canyon Pinot Noir, this 2017 vintage um, that we would be releasing soon um, because of the fires. So mm. like everybody else, you know, we got smoke taint and we're not able to produce. So that's always an issue. Um, but having vineyards elsewhere helps us kind of combat that a little bit. Um, yeah. What a challenge. I've heard of, of a trend of some growers and, and winemakers um, growing cool climate Cabernet. Are you seeing any other varietals being planted out in Carneros? You know, aside right. from Pinot and Chardonnay yeah. and, you know, which Sauvignon are... Blanc? Every, you have some yeah. Sauvignon Blanc in Carneros. There's some Sauvignon Blanc I think Blanc there is a tro uh, Trochard. And Trochard's good. Trochard um, has a, that Roussan. Yes, that's it's what like was the coming to mind. the best Roussan yeah. ever. Um, yeah, they've I mean... Experimented, they have experimented a lot over the 40 years that they've been in the Carneros a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and they also happen to cross, um, they cross uh, an earthquake fault. Oh, and they're, they? So their soils on one side of uh, of the fault line um, are markedly different than they are on the other side. So that's a unique challenge for them. There is a big oh, crack going all the way through Carneros. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes, literally where the ground opens. Yeah, the Rogers Fault yeah. goes, goes so through there, which is interesting. And there's, oh, I know wow. there's an area of the road that they keep. Mm -hmm. It keeps sinking due to that, right. so they keep trying to, pay, you know, right. redo it, redo it out there. So, did you see? Spe speaking of news on that, the exciting news I think for us in many ways and for visitors is the state approved the funds um, to repair Route 37 so that we don't have to deal with the winter floods anymore. Oh my goodness! Oh my That God. finally came through this Thank week. Is that going to happen in our lifetime? Yes, 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 yes. It's oh, I really got hope so. I live in San funny. Francisco, and so getting up to it too during those floods <laughs> takes me hours. Terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> so that's being fixed, which is a good sign. Amazing. So, so speaking of you know faults and things that happen during fires and earthquakes, because we all saw um, when we had the thief um, August 24th, 2016. If I remember, um, on that earthquake, I think we all saw the footage, either video or still footage, of the 121 shifting yes. in the Carneros district yes. of mm -hmm. the separations. It, yes, and the road. So it was like, yep, it's right there. Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's pretty close. So yeah. interesting challenges. Crazy. So I want to ask you, Emily, with a with the Carneros Los Carneros district being mm -hmm. a cool climate area. Does that mean, for the most part, that you guys are the first to pick, um, for the most part, and that, and I would think that that would make it a little easier in terms of scheduling crews. You know, when you when you live in an area, say Mid Napa Valley, Valley Floor, and your ripening is occurring more, um, you know, smack the the end of September, early October. Crews are already out working, mm -hmm. so trying to get them on the day you want is a lot harder. Is it easier for you guys? You know, I would imagine. I don't actually know. I can't. <laughs> I can't speak not to that. Your, not your end of the deal. Not, I do not <laughs> schedule the crews, unfortunately. Um, but yes, I mean, we have so much, so many sparkling producers, mm -hmm. um, and so they're sometimes picking in late July. Yeah. You know, they they'll be picking in a few weeks. So um, I would imagine that's got to be easier to schedule crews because there's only a few sparkling right. producers in the area right so let's shift up a little bit and just talk about um etude and your brand management you s did a lot of graphic design work are you still doing a lot of graphic design work for etude i do a bit of graphic design work for etude and then i do a little bit of freelance on, okay. on the side All yeah a right. little little bit of both yeah what what are yours what are your challenges that you're facing in terms of maintaining and enhancing your brand image managing the brand well right now we're going through a website refresh um Ooh, so for idea. anyone who's ever been through a website refresh which i feel like has is everyone who's ever been in marketing um it is a lot of work 
um, and figuring out how to make it modern and still user friendly um, and something that's going to last mm-hmm. for at least five years because Lord knows you don't want to have to go through it again. <laughs> um, a lot of work. <laughs> you don't have the money that's to go through it again. Yep. Um, so right now that's the challenge. Um, also creating photography that's consistent um, and creating right. brand c- consistency across the um, across the brand, you know, you end up having a lot of cooks in the kitchen who, you know, want to post about it, um, or t- help you out and take right. a photo, which is awesome. Um, but, but your lighting may not be the same. Exactly. Right. Maintaining that, um, maintaining that brand consistency across uh-huh. all the photography and then how that translates into social and on your website, um, t- for me is really important. Um, so that's kind of the big, the big bucket. The, bi- the big thing to do. Yeah. Well, that sounds like fun. It's a good way to go. So well, I wish you well on the, the website redo because I do a lot of websites myself and it's it's a challenge. It's a I've got one actually right now that's on third third year, but different industry. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that, speaking of different industries, that's what I was going to ask you. How, I mean, do you think you're like in the wine industry now? Are you, are, are you bitten by the wine bug? You know, how, <laughs> what does your family think? I mean, you like got in a car to come work in the cellar and right. you never came home. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I mean, Good my question. parents love it. They get a great like? deal on wonderful wine. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> my partner kind of hates it because now he expects really nice wine. And when we go to the store, <laughs> he can't afford the kind of wine that I, we actually like. Um, no, I mean, I love wine. Um, I can't see myself transitioning out anytime soon. So, so let me ask you this. And we ask all the women who are on the show as, as guests, um, You've transitioned from, uh, you know, you went Honeycut, Peju, and you're now at Etude. What were some of the personal signals that you felt that were like, I, you know, I need to make a move. It's time to make a, a, a move. Or are these little intuition things that you're getting? Uh, did somebody ra- lay out the red carpet for you and say, come this way? <laughs> um, what, what was going on with your career path? That's a really good question. Um, for me, the first move from going to the seller to marketing was basically that I needed a job and I had graphic design skills. And so marketing worked, um, there you go. and it was supposed to be temporary. And then I ended up, um, enjoying it. Um, and they loved you, but there, you go. <laughs> there we go. And then, um, sort of the next step after that was, I just felt like I wasn't, I wanted to grow and you know, you always want to make sure that you're constantly learning new things. And I kind of felt like I had outgrown where I was. And, um, so I took a step to make sure that I kept growing. Okay. So it's kind of like a seven year itch without the seven years part. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, Etude, I mean, long ago it was a, a family owned winery. So now it's part of a bigger organization, right? Yes. So what are some of the other brands that are in, can you tell us, tell us about that, the parent company and sure. Um, yeah, so um, Etude is owned by Treasury Wine Estates. I work mm-hmm. for Treasury Wine Estates. Um, and so they also, so I also get a chance to work on um, Provenance Vineyards and as well as Penfolds, which is an Australian based company. Yep. Um, so getting a chance to work on multiple brands um, with different, very different strategies um, based on size, based on um, consumer, based on the wines that they produce. Um, is really exciting um, and getting to work on a global company like mm-hmm. Penfolds is really expanding for me. Oh, that's so do cool. You fi- do you find under Treasury, um, since you get to work on other brands that that all of a sudden, like now you get, ex- and, and since that's such a large company that you get exposed to um, other procedures, methodologies and so forth, that's like, it gives you a big jump on ways to approach your branding job? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think when you see other companies um, or other brands and brands that have honestly bigger budgets than you, you can see how they're doing it. And then you say, okay, they're doing it this way and maybe I can't afford to do it for our smaller brand, but how can I make that happen and still kind of execute at that quality level? Mm-hmm. Um, and so having that, having that experience has been really, really awesome. That's fun. Mm-hmm. That's fun. That's well, I can't close. wait to see what you do next. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in your job as the associate brand manager, are you also um, then once that website is all done, um, does then a content update become part of the projects that you work on? What, what all for, for those who might be listening who are thinking about eh, maybe a career in marketing and brand management and wine might be the road to go. 
What are, what are some of the different projects that you work on for Etude? Okay. Uh, yeah. So it honestly, I act more as the brand hub. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have a direct to consumer team as well as a PR team. So the okay. PR team is actually who is building out, um, the copy for the website and okay. I'm sort of more directing sort of the st- strategy and thought process behind that. Okay. Um, and so it's my job basically to make sure that everything looks cohesive. I kind of hold the brand standards, mm-hmm. um, and sort of give the final sign off for okay. what the brand, um, for what the website looks and feels like any email correspondence, social media, um, et cetera, as well as the strategy behind, um, our trade, um, our mm-hmm. trade presence, um, right. in sales. Um, yeah. So are you, are you almost entirely direct to consumer or are you kind of half and half direct to consumer as well as to We're trade? Two thirds direct to consumer, one okay. third to um, the trade. Roughly, depending Some, on if you're looking like on volume or sales. We won't, <laughs> we won't hold you out to any yeah. of those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, do any particular challenges come to mind or, um, say a social media campaign that you developed come to mind, you know, that, ha- that you, you know, you go, wow, that, that was an interesting campaign or how it ran, um, and how it played out and how well it was received by the public. Do any of those come to mind? Little story. What um, was working in a fun way? Yeah. So we recently launched a new um, Pinot Noir Rosé from our state down in Santa Barbara, which is really exciting. Um, we currently make one from Carneros, mm-hmm. um, but it, we only make about 400 cases. So this one's a little bit larger, so we can really have a footprint across mm-hmm. the country, which is exciting. Um, but we partnered with a couple of influencers um, to have a wine dinner launch down in Arizona, oh, nice. um, which was really exciting. But it's always hard um, to kind of target your art audience on social media as well as make sure you're it's hard to measure your impressions and i'm sure that this is something yeah. that comes up all the time but yeah. um y- buying wine online i think has a long way to go to be yeah. honest with you <laughs> and i think that has a lot to do with delivering wine because no one wants to get wine delivered um just because it tends to be a pain because you have to have someone sign for it and there's not always right. somebody there but um, it's better than carrying it that's what i try to tell people <laughs> about it is look you can carry it home and it's liquid in a bottle or you can have somebody put it right on your doorstep so mm-hmm. you have the least amount of caring to do absolutely absolutely but so it's kind of um that white space between we did this huge activation we had um you know there was multiple influencers Uh there who also posted about this new wine and about etude um which was really exciting super fun um to you know pair wine with food and get to go down to um, beautiful arizona um and um but then you know you see your uptick of followers and you see how many likes and impressions you got, but mm-hmm. doesn't always immediately result in sales. And maybe they went out and bought some in the Bevno by them, but maybe That's they right. didn't. And so it's, <laughs> it's just, it's a hard thing to then go to your boss's boss and be like, this was worth it. Like, yeah. how do you, how right. <laughs> because, there was, because they say, prove it. Yeah. Show right. me the numbers Show me the money. and prove yeah. it. <laughs> right. There's always the, the classic stance of what's my ROI in doing this in social media, exactly. you know, and you're going <laughs> yep. with your tools and, and uh, debating over, you know, can I get this to show up in my f- Facebook pixel um, that, that I've actually got the click throughs on this. It's, it's quite challenging. The, the shifting digital world. Mm-hmm. and technology and trying to keep up with it is a big thing. Tell, tell us about your club, your wine club with Etude. Our wine club? Yeah. It's what delicious. It? I'm sure <laughs> it You can has. get regular shipments of Etude wines, and they're awesome. Have you, had, have you had the same kind of club for many years, or um, have, have you been going through a process of kind of... Um, closing certain clubs and opening new ones, you know, or like creating legacy clubs for your longtime members. Um, honestly, we've been simplifying when it comes to clubs. Um, well, sort of, we also opened a new Rosé club that kind of Mm -hmm. goes across multiple of our brands, um, within treasury, um, just to 
you know, there's not, there's no wineries. There's not a lot of wineries that just produce rosé. So That's it right. gives you an option. I don't know of any, but to, <laughs> I think there are there's some, some in France. Might be some. Um, yeah. <laughs> sure. um, yeah. So we did produce, we did produce a rosé club. Um, but you know, we're always just trying to do more for our members. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest shift that we're seeing is, you know, members want to make sure that they're getting something out of it other than just getting a case delivered to them once a quarter. They want a special place right. in your winery. They want um, wine club dinners. They want better mm-hmm. access to your winemaker. And so we're just trying to make those Shifting things happen. Your, yeah. Your benefits. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you guys do specifically um, by tasting by appointments or can people still come to the winery without appointments? People Remember? can still come to the winery without, without a, okay. an appointment. Yeah, but Are we you, do prefer you appointments. Know, we're seeing, obviously, in the industry, a, a much bigger shift to by appointment with an experience attached to it. It's mm-hmm. not just a belly up to the bar and get your pour. Um, there seems to be less and less of that. And I'm wondering, it, with your discussion with your colleagues, what you have seen shifting at Etude in terms of that whole trend. Yeah, um, we have definitely seen that shift. People want to spend more time at the winery. They're not looking to hit seven wineries in a day. They're looking to hit two, maybe three, and go to a nice lunch. Um, so we have definitely shifted to sit-down tastings, pe- really allowing people to take mm-hmm. their time. And we've noticed that when we do do that, honestly, our sales go up. Um, so you might be seeing um, less guests, but you're increasing how much you're selling to each guest. And mm-hmm. the quality of the experience is just increased so much that it makes a really huge difference. So um, we've increased some of our tables um, and access to the tables that we had. We used to kind of keep them on the on the side and we've really made them more integrated into the property um, so that when it's beautiful outside, you can sit yeah. all of you outside, um, but you can also sit inside because um, it used to be mostly just belly up to the bar on the inside, but now right. we've kind of shifted away towards that, which well, is you, good. You might have some people that are sensitive to the heat because it does get a little toasty yes. on some days, and yes. so you might prefer the air conditioned inside with the all glass wall um, <laughs> as an alternative to Absolutely. actually sitting out in the heat. So I can, I can certainly understand that. So very cool stuff. So where do you where do you see? You know, I don't want you to say you're going from a two, but. <laughs> Do you have some some form of okay? My next step for you know for the next step in my career, I would like to be doing, da da da. You know, that's a great question. I mean, I don't know to be honest with you. I do think that the cannabis space is very interesting, Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's going to be up and coming soon, um, the cannabis beverage space. But we'll see where life takes me. Right. Well, let's make sure our listeners know where they can get tickets for the Cornhole Tournament and Wine Tasting coming up on August 10th at Etude Winery. That is for the whole Carneros Wine Alliance, um, but benefits, actually, the Carneros Volunteer and Shell Vista Fire Departments. Woo-hoo. Absolutely. We want to keep them all happy. So where can they get tickets? So tickets are $60, mm-hmm. and you can find them on Facebook. Um, okay. If you go to Carneros Wine Alliance, you can also find them at carneros.org. Um, or they're posted on Eventbrite. So okay. oh, right. lots of ways to get tickets. Yes. Easy ways to get tickets. Very and again, um, why don't you go ahead and list off, this is a walk-around tasting from many, if not all, of the Carneros, Los Carneros AVA um, producers. You wanna list off who that is again? Yeah, absolutely. So we will be pouring Artessa, Camomi, Calmer, which is the new Liana, mm. Cuvée San, Etude, Poseidon Vineyards, Saintsbury, San Wacamo, Shug, Truchard, Vianza, and ZD. Fun, fun, fun. And you're also going to have food from... We'll have small bites from Boxcar and Carneros Resort and Spa, as well as some Hint Water and tasting from California Olive Ranch. Olive oil. Yummy, yummy. I don't even know Hint Water, but I bet I heard about it recently and it just didn't stick well in my head. I bet a lot of it will be consumed. I bet so. Well, I like I like what you had mentioned earlier, Emily, in that a lot of vintners will be there and tasting room people and, you know, people from the wineries. So it's a a way to touch the stars, as they say, you know, but a lot of fun consumers want they want that experience. So that makes it really nice. 
is it how many people usually attend this event um so last year i want to say we had about a hundred a hundred and ten um great so yeah we are expecting a similar turnout this year maybe a little bit more all right very cool and I'm going to mention that shortly after your event, your event's on the 10th, which is a Saturday. On mm-hmm. the 13th, Wine Women will be hosting Wine Faults, or Is That Wine Corked? It's an opportunity for folks to come and taste, even if you, you think it sounds weird, um, corked wines and other wine faults, um, such as VA uh, and uh, H2S, um, and uh, all different types types of things no no wine is actually harmed at this event uh the the faults are actually chemically um created that afternoon by one of our facilitators bob peak who is a chemist by training and he doses um neutral wine um with whatever magical chemicals he has that that creates the flavors and the perceptions of the wine faults um so for our industry listeners who may want to brush up on their skills and I- identifying those wine faults like TCA and cork taint and all those and, and oxidized wine. Um, it's a great event to do that. So you can get information at winewomen.net for that. It's also out at Eventbrite, like you mentioned, Emily. <laughs> That's where we all put our events out there. Um, and you can get tickets there. It's limited to only 20 people and we'll be at Deloach Vineyards on the evening of the 13th of August. So should be kind of fun and what is coming up in your world miss lisa in my world what is coming up well we just have released the new issue of canvas magazine Mm -hmm. um so i'll be bringing that in to share with everyone um and other than that just summertime's busy in the wine industry you know we're getting ready for for ond yes. right so yes we're all going crazy yes. for our listeners who go what the heck is ond that's october november, november december. december it's big time in the industry where we attempt to make lots and that's lots of sales most, most of the wine is sold right then yeah. and there so yeah. it's an it's an important time sure and is. that's on the the marketing and publicity side but of course on the production side as you had mentioned earlier we're heading in right. to verasion and then um soon and as emily had mentioned a lot of the sparkling producers are going to be picking they sure any are. day now you know so for by the who, time this airs right you know? so um for our listeners who may not know um the grapes t- that go into sparkling wines are often the very first to be picked um and that conveniently is also down in carneros as well so <laughs> they get they get a jump start on everybody else because uh harvest picking often stretches all the way up to and even through november as you go up the valley and you go up the mountainsides, um, it takes longer for ripening uh, at the higher elevations. So there's kind of a natural progression from south to north. I'm going to love that. Emily Byrne with uh, the Carneros Wine Alliance as the co-chair there and also associate brand manager at Etude Winery, also in the Carneros. Thank you so much for being here yeah, today. Thank you, Emily. Thanks for having yeah, me. Guys. That was great. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate you are listening. Be sure to subscribe or leave us a comment uh, on the webpage. We really appreciate it. Lisa, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. We'll be back with another show of the Wine Women Radio Hour next week. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody.